we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. Oh, now we are live for an episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and I am joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing this week, Seth? I'm good. All right. You're ready for show. We are, It wasn't a, that heavy of a news week this week, but uh, there was a kind of a few news pieces that popped off, especially this one here about Elon Musk donating a lot of Tesla share that... Uh, kind of shines a, a better light on the entire situation that, that came down last year, late last year, when, uh, as you remember, there was the whole Twitter, Twitter poll about uh, selling 10% of his share. That was initiated amongst like a lot of political and media pressure about rich people paying their taxes. And there was a weird talks about like paying taxes on unrealized gains and how the rich have got so much richer during the pandemic while the poorest part of the population uh, has not made any gains. So I mean, all that that talking on makes his Twitter poll is like, if you guys are voting for it, I'm going to sell 10% of my stakes in Tesla. Uh, and then, of course, Twitter says, go for it. <laughs> but what, what then, would have happened if, if they didn't vote because he had already kind of initiated that right put that yeah well then what started coming out after that is that well i mean as you were saying that we we're already reporting like yeah you know you have like billions in in stock option to exercise that needs to exercise within the next year so of course you're gonna have to pay like a lot of taxes in the next year so yes you're gonna have to sell some of your shares uh which he admitted later on like on a podcast with babylon b that oh uh, yeah i mean i had to do that and everything but what we learned even before he made this twitter poll in September, so two that was in November, so two months prior, he already agreed with the Tesla board on the plan for him to sell like billions worth of share in order to exercise those, those new stock options. So he was getting more uh, shares from Tesla. So his stakes was expanding, but his tax burden was also going to be massive and he was going to have to sell billions in share to compensate with that. However, to stay somewhat through to the notion that he's going to sell 10% of his stake, he did sell a little bit more than he needed to to cover, uh, not just to cover the tax burden, but now at the same time, now what we're hearing is that in late November, so around that time when this was initiated, Elon sold just over 5 million share of Tesla, uh, not sold, sorry, well, donated to his, his charity. So Elon has his own charity. That doesn't do that much like charity work in itself. Uh, so like it's not like he's gonna like use that money from necessarily for himself uh, or like to to do his own charitable work directly. But he gives he gives money to other foundations to his own foundation, which is a common way that rich people do these things. Um, but what that's gonna do too is gonna that's gonna change his tax burden too. For uh, if you donate, you can depending what kind of donation they are some of them can be tax deductible so maybe after all if you combine that with the share that elon sold plus the one in that he sold specifically for a tax burden as part of the agreed upon program in september maybe elon is actually going to get out of uh of this of this thing uh with in 2021 with a lot like liquidity actually uh, so that would be interesting to see what he ends up doing with that uh, on top of what he ends up actually giving the charities to, uh, because we don't, the, the findings from Tesla didn't disclose since it's going through his own foundation. We don't know exactly where that money is going, but it's the 5 million shares at that time was worth close to $6 billion. 
And where that raised an alarm, where it gets interesting, is that right around that time too, uh, Elon was being um, uh, was a lot in the headlines uh, because of a comment from the WFP, which is the World Food Program, which is an organization from the UN. Uh, and David Beasley from that uh, from that organization, the head of that organization, made a comment that uh, only was it oh, what's the percentage of it? Only two percent of Elon Musk's wealth could solve world hunger. So it, it was kind of a comment that he he, he he said as part of a release of a plan uh, for for the, um, the the World Food Program that six billion dollars would uh, they, they put a six billion dollar plan basically that would solve world hunger according to them. And you put it in the context that look like $6 billion would be like 2% of Elon Musk's wealth, who's the richest man in the world. So that was put in that context. But then, of course, the media went crazy with it, just clickbaiting it like crazy. And uh, so Elon Musk was like, like people were asking Elon Musk, like, do it if it's just 2% of your wealth and everything. But then Elon <laughs> went on Twitter and, and uh, responded to one of those headlines by saying, if the WFP can describe on this on this Twitter thread exactly how six billion dollar will solve world longer, I will sell Tesla stock right now and do it. Uh, which some people took it uh, <laughs> didn't take it well that he was like requesting the plan in the thread as if the plan didn't exist, as if it wouldn't work, because he was responding to that through a comment of someone that was like fact checking the that six billion dollars wouldn't actually work. They wouldn't. They don't have a good plan to do it. But the plan was already out there, and Elon like sort of requested it on Twitter, so people were like, "Hey, he lives on Twitter and whatnot." But uh, to the WFP's credit, they actually did it. They took their plan and broke it down as a Twitter thread. Uh, but that was the end of it. Like the news cycle moved on to first to something else at that point, so it didn't get that much that much attention. But that all happened during November, and then right after that. We just now this week to the SEC filing the Tesla file learned that Elon donated roughly six billion dollars worth of share to charity, to his own charity again. Um, but uh, the media has reached out to WFP and they said that they haven't received any money from Elon yet. So they don't have any money. Doesn't mean that he doesn't intend to give it to them, but apparently uh, hasn't made it to them yet. And then separately, Bloomberg reported that Elon has uh, hired. Um, uh, a specialist in effective altruism, which is a kind of uh, charity that uh, focuses on giving out money as efficiently as possible. So to try to avoid any traps like the uh, some of the most famous charities have been caught, like giving actually if, uh, for every dollars that is given to them, um, something like only 10 cents actually ends up give, uh, reaching the people in need or, or whatever type of charity it is, while most of the money ends up being used for more fundraising, for for the salaries of the people involved in the charity and whatnot. So in order to avoid things like that and try to uh, be as efficient as possible with the, the money that's uh, the donation, this movement called Effective Altruism put some time into any donation to make sure that the that it's going to be as efficient as possible. So Elon apparently hired some of the people behind this movement uh, to give out that money. So whether it's going to end up with the WFP or not, it's uh, still up in the air at this point. But uh, so that, that started Elon's week pretty good. <laughs> Elon donating like $6 billion. 
uh, then it went kind of downhill from there because Elon cannot <laughs> sustain the appreciation from the public for so long, <laughs> it looks like. And uh, a bunch of things came out that, uh, again, made this already controversial CEO of Tesla even more controversial. And the biggest thing, of course, was yesterday with uh, him tweeting this meme of Hitler comparing Trudeau to Hitler. To be yeah. fair, he took it down fairly quickly, but... I wonder if he took it down or if Twitter took it down. No, I that's mean, a good question. To, you know, Hitler is usually a bad idea. Like if you're if you're just thinking about comedy, uh, you know, it's kind of like the N word of comedy. Just don't do it. Yeah. Also, the tweet like was written within Hitler's perspective, making it sound like Trudeau was was just worse. as bad. Yeah, <laughs> just as bad as Hitler, but even worse because actually Hitler had the budget, which of course like. People hammering Trudeau, and I, I'm not the biggest fan of Trudeau. Like I didn't vote for him <laughs> in, in Canada, and uh, I, I think he's like a born and bred politician, like just average. He's, like, he's Quebecois, isn't he? he? He is sort of, but like he's he spent most of his life outside of Quebec, like, uh, like in Ottawa, know. right? But I mean, his father was prime minister, so like he had to spend a lot of time in, cap in the capital. I think he went to school and went, no, he was a teacher in uh, British Columbia or went to school there, but he didn't spend that much time in Quebec. And uh, I mean, I don't care about that. You don't have to spend time in Quebec. How's his He's French? Uh, his French is very good. Of course. Okay, good. Pro probably better than mine, to be honest. <laughs> um, but he speaks he speak a more proper French. Well, uh, I'm more. Oh, okay. I'm more of a patois of the people. Uh, so, but anyway, it's more. I'm all this politics problem. I think he's like a, just a hardcore politician that just you know he, he promises you something and then delivers whatever uh, he, he, he wants to. Like he doesn't doesn't really uh, care about not keeping his promises. Like most other politicians, for example, like he was elected first time he got elected. He was elected on changing the political system, uh, which in, in Canada, like you can literally get a majority with like. 30% of people voting for you, you can get a majority of seat uh, in the parliament and rule with a majority, which makes no sense. He was talking about, let's change the political system here, like have a more modern one that makes more sense, that more people are happy with whoever's the leader uh, in charge. But then he won with that system. So once he was elected and in power, he was like, you know what? <laughs> it works for me. So why would I change it? And he didn't change that at all. So anyway. Uh, but still, comparing to Hitler, I mean, I'm not the most knowledgeable person about World War II, but uh, I feel like uh, Hitler did some things that are a little bit worse than than uh, than that. But of course, now why people are already kind of mad with Elon is that he, that his critique of Trudeau is coming out now. Most um, not really about the budget or anything like that that uh, uh, Trudeau did in the past, but about his handling of the. Um, um, Truckers. protest the freedom protest the uh convoy of trucker that's been um, having a siege on ottawa for the past few weeks which uh, they are doing it over uh some of the covid restriction more specifically about the vaccine um, mandates and uh, the um at, at the border specifically because uh that has been a problem for the for the system especially like uh, u.s truckers coming into canada uh, having to have a vaccine that has dis uh, disrupted a lot of supply chain. So you would think that, I mean, if Elon had an, an argument that makes sense, like it would be, oh, like this is destroying your supply chain because you guys are not letting like, 
the flow of uh, supply between Canada and the U.S. probably. But we haven't seen a lot of comments about that. I think it looks like he's more following through, like just um, uh, and and to be fair, like a lot of people are like uh, he's anti-vaccine. I mean, I'm I'm not saying I'm for the protest in, in Ottawa, but they're they're not. They, they're clearly not anti-vaccine. They're anti the restriction that comes with with it, uh, which is hilarious right now because the cases are going down and everyone in Canada is lifting the the restriction. Even Quebec, which has been the, one of the most uh, uh, strict on that front, and now they are sort of like declining victory. Like, hey, we we won, but like at the same time, the cases are going down. The thing, like, and and it has been doing like that for the last two years. Like, the cases go up, more restriction. The cases go down, uh, <laughs> and cases right. go up, more restriction. Cases go down. So like, this is this is just the the cycle we're in. It looks like, but anyway, Elon is um, he he's kind of boxing himself into this problem that we have right now that okay if you have if you hold certain beliefs regarding the pandemic or a bunch of other subject you are part of that team and if some a lot of tesla fans are not part of that team so he's kind of uh, he's alienating a big part of the population which he didn't use to like elon used to be very good at being apolitical like he, he used right. to stay away from that stuff he used to not say about who he's gonna vote for uh not that i think he said it last time too though he did hinted at it uh that he voted for kanye right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that was that was another uh we should have known at opinion, that point but... that things were going off the rails yeah i mean because uh, he was serious at first like he was and then when someone pointed out like what can you stand for actually for for uh, as a presidential candidate which of course like he stand for publicity like then it matches the release of an album or whatever but what he stated he was for like if he, his, his presidential race was actually going through there was some really not really very really well thought out things there and then when someone pointed out to them he was like oh maybe i should have think about that before uh, but I think his whole point was like he didn't like either option at the last election, which I think a lot of people on that were in that boat e either way. But it's just a lot of controversies with Elons that are just adding up on top of each other this week. And uh, one thing that uh, I really didn't like personally that uh, is like, you know, there was this we talked about last week, the DFEH uh, lawsuit that came out about uh, allegation of systemic racism, at uh, specifically at Tesla's Freeman factory. So Tesla came out first with their blog posts and they were the, the, the downplayed the whole lawsuit. And then the actual lawsuit came out a day or two later, and it was way worse than Tesla made it seem like. It was way more, uh, the description of way more rampant kind of racism, and not just the way Tesla described it, which is like a bunch of production associates calling each other the N-word. It was quite not that. It would involve managerial position, it involved uh, HR not being responsive. It involved a lot of like problem within the company itself. And Elon has yet to actually, or had yet to actually comment on it until he sort of did indirectly uh, from a Twitter post here from Harold Frankpoppy, who's an influential person in the Tesla Twitter world um, that Elon often interacts with on Twitter, that wrote, Tesla drawing attention from the CDFEH uh, whose lawsuit I just mentioned, uh, NHTSA, SEC, and the California DMV, all at the same time because they are upsetting unions, legacy auto, the oil industry, and automotive driving company, 
and not paying for ads or buying politician. And then Elon agreed with that statement saying exactly. So, and so basically agreeing to why this lawsuit happened in the first place because the, SC, the, the FEH is mentioned in there. Uh, and then it's uh, like the bunch of recall that happened recently. The SEC that subpoenaed Tesla again over Elon's use of Twitter. And the California DMV thing, I, I don't really understand, but it's because Tesla is being basically disruptive to these industries by upsetting them and uh, also not paying ads, which Elon has linked to the media, not liking them because they're not paying them and buying politician that uh, Elon doesn't contribute to political campaign. Well, at least he doesn't do it anymore. He used to do it a little bit in the past, uh, which I think is very dismissive because I, so especially for the first one, especially for the DFEH lawsuit, the fact that this is the first time that Elon sort of comment on it, saying that this is only happening because of Tesla being disruptive and the industry not paying politician or whatever. Like we're talking about fifty current former Tesla employees corroborating, corroborating, I brain fart, corroborating, corroborating claims of racism at the factory. Uh, and again, we, we won't go into the details again. You can watch any previous podcasts or read the lawsuit that we posted on that act track. Like it is a lot of very serious claims in there that that would be because of, of those reasons. Like this is like, I don't like that. And, and I mean, this, this, uh, this kind of conspiracy theory, like that's what it is really, uh, has been, has been going on for a while in the Tesla fan community, like the, uh, especially the NHTSA thing. They were like, oh, there's four recalls in a row from NHTSA. But if you actually look at the recalls from NHTSA that, that happened, yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird. Four in a row from the, from in, in like space of three weeks. And I do think that uh, the, the, all of them, the, all of them are fixed by over-the-air software updates. So like, okay, it's not that big of a deal. But then if you actually look at the details of each of those recalls, like it, it's it's not like a it's it's not some kind of conspiracy that they all happen within the three weeks. First of all, two of them weren't even initiated by NHTSA. One was initiated by a Korean, uh, the, the Korean equivalent of NHTSA. And then the same problem was just found in Tesla vehicle in the US too. So NHTSA had to issue the same recall. Uh, that was for the Sigdal chime. Another one was the, um, uh, yeah, the heat pump issue, which was a very real issue that people like were experiencing very real problem. And that was also uh, initiated by Transport Canada and, and then replicated by NHTSA. So again, what's like, it's not even NHTSA like doing here. Like Tesla admitted there was a real problem and then they, they had to do it. I guess you can argue like, oh, well, why make it a recall and everything? Uh, well, we, we explained that when we... Uh, because the lawsuit it was because of the defrosting if you cannot have the defrosting of your windshield it's it's an actual safety issues and and, and they had to make a safety recall all of it and then we can argue of course the one with the rolling stop the other the one with, with the rolling stop and the other one was the boom box thing those i admit they're not they they are a little bit more up to question but it, like now we're down to two weird recall, not four. So like, okay, so what's the thing here? What's happening really? Um, so so I don't know. I, I, I don't buy it. I mean, I, for, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Tesla has never draw any unwanted attention from the government because of being disruptive and uh, because of Elon's comment that are a bit controversial or whatnot. For sure. Like I think there's some of it that 
as doesn't work. But at the same time, I think making it the whole conspiracy and that like kind of dismissing a lot of this, this real issue, especially like the one with uh, brought up by the DFEH. I think that's not a good idea. That's like the Elon is, I think he's digging himself a, a bigger, a, a deeper hole doing that. Yeah, it's just not a good I don't look. Do you have either. a take on that, Sam? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I. It just feels like it's not a good look for him, or the you know Tesla in general to like just deal with this stuff. You know, some of the stuff is very embarrassing. Some of the stuff is like very mm. legitimate. Uh, so like just tossing it aside and saying it's they're jealous of us or whatever seems a little ugly. Yeah, it's not. It's just not a good look. Like. Uh, and it brings us to the next the next part here. Um, so one of these engineers that we just mentioned was the SEC, which is back in the mix here because the uh, Tesla revealed that the, the subpoena the company again uh, last year, late last year, over Elon's use of Twitter, which is restricted under the settlement that, that, that they had with the agency over the way back at the funding secured tweet for when Elon was thinking about bringing Tesla private. Can't believe that this is a still a thing. <laughs> like we're now, what, three, four, four years in, four years later, something like that. And uh, and that price we, is crazy when you think about the price now. Like Yeah. 420 pre one to five uh, stock split. So, so under 100. Is, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is, uh, this is ridiculous at this point. But uh, so, so now... Uh, and this is, this is something. And so Alex Pirro is, is like kind of a rock star uh, lawyer that uh, works for Elon sometimes. And uh, he, he sent a letter to the court regarding the SEC's, what he's described as harassment of Elon and Tesla. Uh, and he, he sent that letter to the court on behalf of Tesla and Elon. And uh, I mean, <laughs> I read that letter. I'm like, ooh, I don't want to go against that lawyer, <laughs> like that guy. If you're uh, a fan of He's a, a well crafted, yeah, if you're a fan of a well crafted argument, like go read that letter because that letter just tears the SEC a new one. Because um, first of all, like he uses as good lawyers do the, he, the the actual standing where he stand on the legal basis is like he has arguing like, hey, what's happening with the forty million dollars? Because part of that settlement was not just that. Elon resigns from uh, the post of chairman for a few years. I think now he could actually be chairman again if he get elected. Um, it was also that, uh, yeah, there's um, um, Tesla monitors uh, Elon's Twitter usage when uh, it involves the release of information that can be material for shareholders. And it involved uh, $20 million fine for Elon, $20 million fine for Tesla, which Elon sort of like indirectly ended up paying for Tesla's part of it too, with, because Tesla has nothing to do with this whole thing. Elon just tweeted it on his personal account on his way to work, apparently. Um, but Tesla had to pay the $20 million, and then Elon bought $20 million worth of Tesla stock in a private offering in order to compensate for the difference. But of course, and then Elon ended up making hundreds of millions of dollars off of that $20 million. So the guy is laughing his way to the bank anyway. Uh, but what uh, Spiro said is that he alleged that the SEC actually never gave back that money to the shareholders as they were supposed to uh, years and years later again. 
he said that they collected the money. So like he's like, what's happening with that? So so he's seeking uh, an audience with the court regarding the situation with is him being that like, hey, what's that? Like we gave that money, like give it to our shareholders because otherwise like what's happening with that? And then he used that as an argument that instead of like he didn't he didn't say they're using the forty million dollars to harass Tesla, but he they're using the the SEC still has the forty million dollars and they're using their resources instead of giving money back to the shareholder, they're using those resources to harass Elon and Tesla with continuous investigation that don't lead to anything and subpoenas and, and whatnot, and uh, they say that they are abusing their the settlement that uh, involved the. Um, the court and 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 Tesla monitoring Elon's use of Twitter to chill Elon's First Amendment right, uh, which is quite uh, <laughs> quite the statement there. Oh, the letter actually didn't work here. I'm gonna have to look mm. into that so that you guys can access it because again, <laughs> it's worth it's worth a quick read. And look, I mean, my own opinion of it is like like it was back then. I don't think Elon was trying to be misleading with that tweet. Like that's how I use Twitter. Like he just like off the cuff comments like that. And obviously this one, you should have thought more about it because it is material information that you want to sell Tesla and at $420 and of course making it for 20 and then admitting later that it was a joke. The price was actually a joke, but not a joke at the same time because he thought that might be that's what it was worth bad then. Like completely, like not appropriate for sure. Now, was it malicious? Was it worth him being kicked out of this chairman position? Was it worth forty million dollar fine? Like that's that's hard to tell. Like it's probably was worth like some kind of uh, tap of the wrist or, or or whatever. But or or and maybe that what was it was like it's not that big of a deal. Like now we can be chairman again. $40 million is obviously nothing uh, in the grand scale of Tesla and Elon's wealth. So I don't know. But what I do know is that since then, Elon's use of Twitter hasn't really improved. And as we just discussed this week, like you have the CEO of a major company tweeting a Hitler meme. Like, eh, it's starting to not feel very good. Like, and, but of course, like that's not even the SEC's job really to, to like, the CEO cannot be crazy on Twitter. Like that's not that's not really their job. I mean, of course, if it's material information to the company, that's another thing. But in the case of the Hitler meme and and all the other like wild nonsense that Elon has been posting over the last few years, like that's not really up to the SEC to um, police that that stuff. But it does bring up the larger discussion. It's like at one point is Elon's Twitter use not. A positive for Tesla and its mission to accelerate the world transition to electric transport and clean energy. I think and that that ended like a, a few years ago. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm late but, with my question, eh? right? Uh, and it's you know the board is a, a pretty friendly to Musk. Like obviously his yeah. brother's on the board. He got everybody involved. There's a there's a uh, Murdoch on the board. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of his friends. Uh, Robin Denholm is she still the the chairman? The chairwoman, chairwoman. yeah. Yeah, uh, you know he obviously is very friendly with her. So uh, I don't know. Like it, it doesn't seem like the board is going to do anything about it. And that's really the only people who can who can kind of curtail his tweets unless the SEC gets involved mm -hmm. again. 
it, it would be nice. It would be nice if he just like cooled out, you know, by his own, on his own, like, Hey, I'm not doing any, the world any good right now. Uh, but you know, I don't, I don't see that. You don't happening. see that happening. No, I would, I would think like, um, I, I, well, you're right. You're probably right. But it, it's it would have already happened. It would have. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he just hasn't recognized it yet. Uh, I don't know well, he's, because he's surrounding himself with yes people. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because like, because I've seen like he's friend for with Joe Rogan, for example. Mm-hmm. And you see with the controversy with Joe Rogan in the last few weeks, like there was some positive that came out of those controversy. Like, he, 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 I mean, I haven't looked into the what, what he did this week just yet. I'm gonna I'm going to because it's relevant to to to, to what we do here too. But he he had those two controversy uh, two. Uh, different views on climate change, like two experts that have different views on the impact of humans on climate change, which obviously we know like what kind of side we're on <laughs> here. But uh, I still like, I, I like that. Like he, he, he said, okay, there's a problem with me just presenting one side of the view. I'll, I'll do like back to back to people when, when, when I have, when I want to present a, a, a something that's not mainstream opinion, that's controversial, let's do both sides every time. So like that came out of the, um the accusation of misinformation about covid and and also well climate change i mean he had a psychologist that he said some things that were uh kind of dumb about climate change on so i'm not sure that was an actual controversies because who's talking to that guy about climate change anyway then there was the accusation of racism which also like came out and like did a whole mea culpa about it and said he, he changed his opinion about the use of the n-word and all that and uh, that was well received from people. Like uh, I still see a bunch of people who are like, yeah, never, never will I ever like Joe Rogan again or whatever. And that's fine. That's your own opinion. But like, you see a clear, all right, reaction, reaction to things and improvements. Um, I would think like maybe Elon is going to have something like that at some point. But uh, so you think you think that's not you don't see that from Elon happening. Not at this point. No, I mean he's on a roll, you know. Like he's uh he's ups- upsetting. He's getting a lot of attention, you know. I think that's kind of the end game. Because I, I think it's interesting on the on the like the scale basis. Because uh, of course, people that the argument that like because Elon always been kind of weird on 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 Twitter. Let's be honest. Like it's it's not a new thing. It's it's been like that for years and years and years. But it used it used to be like a small percentage of what he says on Twitter was the weird part. Now it feels like it's like 50-50 is him like just stating facts about SpaceX and Tesla and 50% just some wild meme and, and controversial opinions and, and insult sometimes to people, which is uh, right. like you should never insult people on, on, on social media like that. It's just here's like, a question. Don't, don't do you say anything e- that you wouldn't. Yeah. Do you think do you think Elon would ever say the thing or you know do the kind of thing that he did with uh, Biden or Trudeau? Uh, to uh, China's China's uh, yeah, what, what do you call it? The chairman. He, like, yeah. do you think he he would he would do that? Is he, what's his I name? mean, he, I don't. I I'm not gonna guess. Like, uh, I'm not in, in his head. But if you look at his history of comments on the U.S. government and the Canadian government and other government, like the German government too. Let's say, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also been a little bit critical of 
but mainly about the bureaucracy of it, which I mean, I think every German is also critical of that too. Right. Uh, it's been a lot easier on the Chinese government, which has its own significant issues too. Right. And, and also they squeeze in Tesla and some of them, especially regarding the, the treatment of the Uyghur um, right. in the Northern region where Tesla opened a, though I think like opening it's a, like Volkswagen literally had a factory there. <laughs> Tesla opened a store. That was a bit of a difference. But anyway, um, he's been kind of quiet about that. Where like this happens in the US, it would be, I feel, I feel like a lot more vocal about it. So that, yeah, I mean, I think like not even stuff like that, but even like how the Chinese state media is treating Tesla. Like there's been mm -hmm. a lot of like really weird stuff uh, like that's, you know, come out of the Chinese state media where. You would think if that came out in the U.S. media, he would have been like, you know, he would have been, you know, all of his yes men here would have been yeah. saying. Things well, but here, that. here's the difference here. Here he relies on on his yes men. In China, Tesla still has a PR department, and they did fight back strongly against the media reaction when the protest at the Shanghai Motor Show happened and all that, and the media started picking that up. You know, Tesla put out like a whole blog post about it, explaining the whole situation, and the. They fought back. They ended up suing that woman and suing other people, and, or or right. uh, or at least uh, threatening to sue people that were like badmouthing them in the media and whatnot. So, uh, like there was a clear response there, and it used to be like that in the U.S. too. And Tesla, the PR department, like, the, the PR department would fight back against uh, misinformation and things like that, right. and they would do it. I mean, not perfectly, but they would do it in a much more professional manner than Elon and right. his and his super fans are doing, uh, which is obviously a problem right now. Uh, but my point about this, if you go back specifically to the use of Twitter, like Elon is like seventy million people following him on Twitter right now, massive. So, is there come a point where like your following becomes so big that you have? to shut down completely any kind of negative feedback because it's just too much and you just have to rely on that, like those people that are yes men and everything and they're just like... I think, that, I think we've reached that perfect. point. Yeah. He, like if he could take a pulse of like what, you know, the general population thinks mm -hmm. of what he's saying, I I think he would probably, you know, feel feel a little bit worse about it or at least, mm -hmm. you know, slow it down or or, you know, I don't know. But like but you, you know, like you literally—that's a good point because you literally cannot do that. Like no, if he does it on Twitter, many. it's not—it's not gonna work, obviously, because everyone that's following him is gonna have a hot weighted impact on, on on that poll or whatever. Then you do it in the media. Well, it's fake news media that they're doing it, so it's not true either. So there's literally right. no place to do that and to get a good pulse of what's happening, other than just being really tapped into this 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 community with. Uh, somewhat objective view of it, which is what we're trying to do here, but obviously <laughs> we're not perfect at it. Um, and again, I always admit I'm coming from a bias for Tesla, at least for Tesla's mission at the very least. Um, so, so it's always something to keep in mind. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I won't spend too much time on this, but I think it was it's a fascinating situation that's happening that uh, I would hope can get under control because. I still think the man, we know, I obviously have different views uh, than him on a bunch of things. I think he's the most influential person when it comes to accelerating the advent of electric transport by a wide margin, too. 
All right. Uh, well, NHTSA, on top of all the recalls they're doing, they uh, started an investigation into the Fentrum baking problem that uh, Autopilot users have. And while well, people are like, I got a bunch of critique for like saying it's an Autopilot Phantom braking problem. They're like, yeah, this is a cruise control problem. It's a problem with a traffic over cruise control that is an Autopilot feature. So like, let's, well, let's calm down about that a bit. Uh, so we reported on that back in November. We saw like a giant spike in complaints about uh, Phantom braking problems with uh, Tesla vehicles. Uh, that started to happen. Looks like in May, which wouldn't match the switch to vision only uh, autopilot when 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 these these switch the neural nets to vision only instead of using the radar too, yeah. uh, it started spiking up this problem with phantom braking, which I experienced on my own car when when uh, on me, my Model Three, you too. Like there there was an increased problem. It also was like there's always been some kind of phantom braking issue. With for people who don't know, phantom braking is when the, the car uh, brakes or decelerate uh, f as if it's um, expecting a collision or, or something, but there's nothing to, to be expected. And for me, like the biggest issues was when I was on the highway passing an on-ramp. And even if I was moving, moving left, knowing that there was a car coming or something like that, the car would often decelerate abruptly, like anticipating a car coming from the left, even though I was maybe, even if I was on the left lane, uh, coming from the right to the left. And, uh, Obviously, this is a safety issue if you have a car behind you uh, and, and you, you decelerate too abruptly, uh, you, you, you might uh, be rear-handed. It also so, sucks. It's like... Yeah. It's, it, it, like the goal of autopilot is to alleviate a lot of your Stress. driving uh, workload so that you can focus on looking at the road and sure. So when you have to not only to do, to, you have to do that, but then you have to anticipate the potential dangerous behavior like that it's really not ideal uh so we reported on that in november it didn't we, we, a few media picked it up and every now and again but not too too crazy but the washington post who has a, obviously a bigger reach than us uh they uh they, they posted a very similar report to ours uh last month and uh, that was picked up everywhere in the media and now it was enough it looks like to put some pressure on it so that uh uh, its Office of Defect Investigation confirmed that they opened an investigation onto the matter. And uh, also after the Washington Post, so, so we, we posted in November, as you see when the big spike happened, and then the Washington Post posted in January. And apparently since the Washington Post posted their, their article, a bunch of people in February uh, started like, hey, well, I have this issue too, and they did the complaint to NHTSA, so that led to NHTSA like, most likely opening their investigation. So getting a look into it. The weird thing, though, and I thought is like looking at their notice of investigation, they say that uh, they are looking into it for 2021, 2022 Model 3, Model Y vehicles. So they are for the vehicles that don't have the radar in a st uh, to start with. But in my experience, this affects also people that have older Model 3 and Model Y with radar. But Tesla basically deactivated the radar when they transitioned to vision only in May of last year. That's my my two cents on that. So if yeah, I wasn't I, it, so I would broader the scope of my investigation. Oh, I see also the uh, the uh, Scrib D isn't working there either. Oh, so there might be an issue with the embedding the Scrib. Uh, those PDF, that's what I used to embed PDF in my post. All right, we'll have to check that out. 
Yeah, maybe we should send that to Bradley. See if anything changed on that front. All right. All right. Doing some quality check live on the podcast right there. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right. Moving on to Tesla Gigafactory, Texas. So we've been reporting over the last few weeks. It looks like production is start. Well, I mean, Tesla actually confirmed last month that uh, they started some build of the Model Y in December. But they, nothing to deliver just yet. They need to have regulatory approval for it and everything. But now what happened this week is that thanks to Snapchat and thanks to some employees that probably shouldn't be doing that. Though I don't think they were employees. I think they were mostly the contractors. Uh, so they maybe didn't read the full contract or you're not supposed to literally story your whole day <laughs> at this like a factory um, on Snapchat. But thanks to... Uh, these guys, which I cut out their names from, from it, so that we get in trouble. But the uh, the we, we get an actual look inside the factories. We posted the video on uh, on our channel. Uh, it's uh, really one of the first look uh, that like you can see actual robots. You can see the production line from um, uh, a first view perspective of it, and it wasn't really active when we uh, when. From what we see in the in the video, but there's uh, it's it's quite a large production line here. Okay, this is not this is commenting on someone else's work at the factory. This is why it's kind of kind of strange thing. Uh, a lot a lot of part of the factory where you see Tesla looks like electrician deploying like new equipment. Um, Afternoon nap. That's nice. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't understand this generation, like how they think that it's okay to like literally Instagram or all in this case, like Snapchat, the same thing, like your whole work day is a worker at a factory. It's, I don't know where that kind of thinking comes from, but kids um, these days. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what else we see in there? Trying to find the good parts. Yeah, you see, right there, you see the whole production line here. So there's a ton of, uh, I think there's a KUKA robot, a Fanuc. And uh, it looks like maybe like a battery pack production line right there, to be honest. I see like uh, some battery modules at the end. Uh, so I think that guy's an electrician or something. Like he keeps working with the electric connection on the ceiling. We can't zoom in the battery pack thing to see if those are structural. Oh, they're definitely or, structural. Tesla yeah. confirmed that. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, we can discuss that too. Today that just came out. Tesla just celebrated um, its million. In, yeah, there's some in the video. You can actually see some Model Ys too, like a bunch of Model Ys here getting prepped uh, after quality control. Like this, this I think is the camera. You see it very briefly, but the, where they, uh, they do the camera check for autopilot. Right there. Ah. But you see um, at least a few dozens of vehicles. Celebrate Black Women. Okay, Black History Month. Okay, again, this is a lot of uh, bunch of tires. There was um, even a motor too that we see. Like this is a motor delivery from uh, Nevada. Like there's a crate with the motor in it. Um, a lot of stuff. But yeah, uh, Tesla just announced that the produced engineering their million yen 4680 battery cells from the the Cato uh, road pilot plant in, in Fremont. So Tesla already confirmed that the first Model Y to be delivered uh, later this quarter 
are going to be the ones with structural battery packs and 4680 battery cells. So this is this is good news. But I, the million yet cell being produced in January doesn't tell us that much. Like let's say like so they have produced like a million cells uh, at a, roughly a thousand cells per car. That would be about thousand cars that the second produce with with those cells. The most important thing is what is the production rate right now. Uh, so is it a hundred thousand cells, two hundred thousand cells per week? Like what is it? Because that's that's really what tells you like what kind of production came out of Tesla. But we got another good indicator this week is that uh, here from Mr. Jeff Roberts, who often flies drones over the the construction project. So a bunch of Model Ys coming out of the factories and being lined up and prepped for what looks like deliveries and more to come. Like it looks like almost like a hundred cars there. So. This is a significant uh, production coming out of the factory, and uh, yeah, and, and Fremont Tesla, Tesla doesn't do this with them. They don't put um, a Wrap cover on, on them. Yeah, yeah, I wonder if it's like the sun or something. I don't know. Yeah, the sun also like this is a, still a giant construction site, so you don't right. like there's it's easy to raise up dust and have uh, anything kind of ding the car. You don't want that, so it kind of makes sense to have better protection. But they, all the cars have that, so. And if they don't, then it looks like this is putting them on. So, um, yeah, I mean, it still looks like uh, the goal is to deliver the cars by the end of the quarter. So uh, within the next few weeks, we should have a good idea. And if you have a little Y on order at, with Tesla in the U.S. and you get your VIN, check your VIN because your VIN will tell you if it's coming from Fremont, if it's coming from uh, uh, Gigafactory, Texas. Yeah, particularly if you live in the general area. I'm sure those are probably yeah. Going well, maybe not Texas. even Texas because I think the car might have to go out. If you're in Texas, you're buying this oh, car in right. Texas right now. I still think you need the car needs to go out of Texas before you can actually get delivery, which is which is crazy. Some nonsense. Uh, yeah, I mean anywhere on the East Coast really would be a lot closer mm-hmm. to te- Texas than California mm-hmm. as yeah. well. So basically, anywhere Texas or East. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the uh, program to open the supercharger network to electric vehicles that are not Tesla vehicles is expanding now to all stations in the Netherlands. So if you've been following this pilot program from Tesla, it started with a few stations in the Netherlands, expanded to a few stations in the Netherlands, France, and Norway. And now this month, this week, open to all the stations in the Netherlands. So this is going to this is still a, a test program and only like, uh, I think, um, Dutch, French, Norwegian, uh, German, maybe a few other countries, Tesla owners can use them. But uh, with that alone and with now all stations in the Netherlands, this is going to be a better test for Tesla, which is not just about a few stations, but like how a nationwide network of supercharger can handle the load from Tesla owners and from owners from other EV companies that decide to use a network. So this is going to be a better test from Tesla and um, a new revenue stream and something that's going to help them expand the supercharger network faster. So all good news. And of course, like, so this is now the new map here. Of course, there's Norway also on top, but you can see Netherlands is well covered by supercharger station and they can now all be used by any EV that has a CCS uh, connector. And and that can actually park there. Some of them, I think, uh, like the yeah, Taycan. I don't. I don't know if they can even reach all the way over to the uh, the charge port. That's a good point. Yeah, I think saw somebody was parking like uh, perpendicular 
don't do that yeah don't do that <laughs> i mean i guess you could do it and if somebody comes move it but yeah yeah, yeah. stay there and be ready to move that's fine but don't uh, go get a sandwich or something in the meantime because that's uh, that's not cool yeah. all right we have a few more pieces of news to discuss real quick and then we're going to jump into the comment section if you have a question for us or a subject you want us to discuss please put them in the comment section right now uh, in all cap or with question in all cap before something like that just to help us go through them faster but if you can do that right now in the next few minutes, that would be great because we're going to get to them in just a few minutes. Toyota at this, uh, you know, last year in December, Toyota had this event about like an update on their BEV plans. And they had these renders of like a bunch of new EVs that are going to come to market in the next few years. Uh, kind of a shift there now. Like, you know, okay, we're moving away from just our hybrids or plug-in hybrids or hydrogen. And we're going to do actual BEVs uh, starting with the BZ4X. Uh, the SUV that's coming soon. Uh, but uh, just very like those renders like that, that's pretty much it. Some, not even prototype, I think probably clay models. But now they did it for Lexus. They unveiled a bunch of more uh, Lexus models or at least more renders, better details of them. And uh, But <laughs> yeah, I have to be really careful because the way they talk about them, they said this is, these are possible new BEVs coming to market. Like they use the word possible. Even with the range, they said... Um, Acceleration 060 could be in the low two seconds range, could be. And the cruising distance could exceed 430 miles, thanks to the possible use of solid state batteries. So the language is uh, very vague here. But so, that, written by lawyers. Yeah. Uh, so you have this SUV here, uh, bigger full size SUV, a smaller one that. Uh, is likely going to be based on the BZ4X, but uh, with the Lexus, uh, Lexus version, which is the what, L LX, I think, for Lexus. Uh, a sedan. The sedan looks very cool, I think. The sedan is probably the coolest looking one, other than, of course, the sports car here. Yeah, that, that has very some Taycan mm -hmm. Porsche type yeah. vibes to it. Uh, even okay. smaller. It's a two-door, too. So it's, Yeah, it's uh, like Taycan in the front, like yeah. uh, something else in the back, 959 mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, um, look, a little sharp as hell. Yeah. I feel like Toyota is committed to making the uh, the BZ Lexus thing. Like, I feel like they said that at some point that they were making three uh, vehicles on that BZ platform: the Subaru, the the Toyota one, and then the yeah. Lexus version. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now these uh, these comments about the zero to sixty could be in the range could exceed and. So it's state that's about the specific sports concept, uh, electric sports concept, right there. Oh, that's sweet, that's sweet looking. Yeah, I really hope they make these soon. All right, Redwood had a big announcement this week. Uh, they had quite a few announcements over the last few months, like they got a lot of money, they are investing big on the production facility for the cattle material production and a, a bunch of other things. Throughout all these, this time they made these partnership with Volvo and Ford, and now the partnership are turning into actual collection and recycling of end of life battery packs from electric vehicles. So this is a big step into creating an all full closed loop recycling of battery vehicle, which is essential to make battery electric vehicle sustainable because that's that's always the case when people are like yeah what do you do for a living yeah i write about electric vehicles oh yeah you think that's gonna work and it's like yeah, yeah i think that's gonna it's, it's not a trend <laughs> it's gonna, yeah it's, it's it's happening it's like yeah but like it's it's not actually has it's not as sustainable like we're gonna mine all that all those metals like this mining is bad and everything and, and my argument is always 
Yes, but when you mine something, you mine those materials, unlike gas, which you burn and it goes into the atmosphere in the ocean, you still end up with the, with the same product. Yes, the battery is depleted, but the metal is still there. Instead of going back in the middle of nowhere to mine those, you mine those battery pack again and you create a closed loop. That is where the sustainability comes from. And they're like, yeah, is that really happening? And then you're like, yes, it's sort of happening at very small scales because there's not that battery, not many batteries at the end of life right now, and and whatnot. So it's not. But this this is the big news here right now is that they're actually going it. Like so, this partnership with Redwood Materials, which of course, if you don't know, Redwood is started by JB Strabel, co-founder at Tesla and longtime CTO, to to partner with Volvo and Ford and their dealership. So that the dealership, when they get a new uh, uh, an old EV with a battery pack at its end of its life, they do send it to Redwood Material to their facility in Northern Nevada to recycle it, and then the Redwood has the processes to collect the metals from those batteries, especially the variable ball, like nickel, uh, cobalt, um, manganese, and all that stuff, and then they send that back to Ford, Volvo, or whoever is making their batteries. So that it ends up in brand new cars. So this this is great news. This is what we want to see. Uh, and uh, they disclosed Redwood that uh, they already have the capacity for six gigawatt hours per year of battery recycling, or the equivalent of roughly 60,000 EV batteries, which, I mean, that's already great capacity because maybe it's even too much for right now because you don't have that many EVs coming to their end of life every year. But soon enough, there's going to be a lot, like in the next... Within 10 years, you're going to need the capacity for literally like a million, maybe more. And right. then in 20 years, you have the capacity for like 20 million per year to recycle. Like this is big business that's happening right now. We need companies like Redwood to get involved. So and they're not just in- taking car batteries. They're taking any kind of yeah, you know, e-bikes or yeah. computers. Yeah, they're taking everything. But uh, to, like the batteries from the cars, obviously, are going to be the biggest, the, the right. bigger deal here. So we needed like a, a program in place to, to take care of that. And this is the first like full one. Of course, uh, some automakers like Tesla already have their home programs to do that, but it's uh, it's closed loop. We don't have much information about it. So Redwood, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really uh, bullish on Redwood. I think it's going to be, uh, especially with the kind of leadership that they have right now, right. With, uh, JB. And uh, of course, as you can imagine, JB, <laughs> he went with his uh, former colleague at Tesla that were some of the best. And they're like, hey, <laughs> if you ever find yourself... Uh, uh, need another challenge, and then uh, quite a few of them joined them at Redwood. So, whenever they go public or something, there's going to be an interesting uh, uh, investment opportunity, I think. Yeah. All right. So, we get into the comments. Yep. Um, let me just do this real quick. Um, starting at the top. All right. This was a question from Facebook How about the chips Tesla uses in their FSD uh, V10.1? Is it made in-house? Let's know more about those chips and how they get trained and run in terms of cognition per kilowatt hour. Well, a lot of that stuff is not knowable, but um, well. So, what what do you what do we mean by made in-house? Like, so Tesla, yes, Tesla designed their full cell driving chips right now. Uh, they, they don't make and then sell. Tesla is not a silicon manufacturing company, or at least not yet. Uh, no. I think I think Samsung and uh, I think now there's talk with uh, what's the other the, the Thai one that, TSMC. Uh, TSMC, yeah. Uh, is that Thai? Uh, yeah, it's Taiwanese. Taiwanese. Yeah, Taiwanese. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so so they don't 
produce them themselves, but it's designed in house for sure. Uh, and the capacity in them, yeah, you can you can check. We we did report on that, like when when it, when uh, they presented the new chip, and it, that's the biggest advantage for them. Like the processing per power consumption is 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 extremely low. Like anything Tesla does, it's always about the efficiency of power, and the self-driving chip is no exception. All right, uh, Rivian. What's your view on Rivian? Can they catch up with Tesla? Well, catch up on what? <laughs> on production, on overall production capacity? Probably not. I think Tesla is just way too far ahead that catching up is going to be hard. If you mean catching up, I mean, on who's going to have the best pickup truck on market right now? Oh, Rivian is already catch, <laughs> caught up on that. Like They have a better pickup truck on, on the market than Tesla because Tesla does not have any. Uh, so, so the like, uh, I don't, I don't see really like Rivian like about catching up to Tesla. Certainly not again like, on, on production volume, but uh, they're gonna be a competitor at some point when they're gonna have a car in the same segment. Uh, at that point, it will be interesting to uh, have a, a side by side comparison. But for now, I think Rivian is just doing great at its own. Uh, we'll just, we're just gonna have to see because I'm not an alarmist or anything. I'm not, I think it's just reasonable and healthy to see it that way that Rivian is going to have to prove sustainable financial production of, it, of, of their electric vehicles. Like right now, uh, as it is expected, they're going to be losing uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars per quarter uh, for a while as they ramp up production and achieve processive gross margin. That's just, that's normal. It's, it starts like that. Uh, but it's, it's probably a good bet to bet that they're going to achieve that. But it's it's still a bet. Like it's it's not a done deal that they're gonna achieve that. It's an extremely difficult thing to do. Uh, I, I think they're gonna do it, but it's not uh, it's not easy. So until they do that, they're still like things are still up in the air. It took years for Tesla to uh, to get there. I think I think Rivian had a better start for sure. <laughs> like it was a lot easier because of Tesla paving the way yep. for them to to get there and to, for them to raise money. Like <laughs> once Rivian started production, they probably had I don't know. A hundred times more money in the bank than Tesla had when they started. Right, production. and they have Amazon and and yeah, other Ford. big investors for. Yeah. So that that's yeah. definitely a benefit for them. I wonder. I wonder if you know some like maybe like Dodge or overseas some other company that makes ICE vehicles will say something like, "Take our lines. Let's just make let's just make these cars instead of holding up." Although nowhere else buys as many trucks as we do in the u.s mm -hmm. um all right regarding elon's 40 million dollar fine how many other ceos get penalized anywhere near that much it's a good question i don't yeah. think i can remember uh offhand any ceo getting fined 40 million dollars for anything any other ceo that use uh twitter like elon does though <laughs> that's the right. other question like yeah to to the sec's defense like they are in the new territory for them too like Right. What, what what's happening here? Like you're a CEO of a trillion dollar company. Well, not at the time, but now, and you, no, you not at the moment. But yeah, public like you publish, publicly releases statement and comments like that. I guess it's a hard hard thing to handle. Like no no other CEO will just off the cuff publicly announce to millions of people that they're thinking about selling the company for four twenty. Like yeah, it's kind of like you've got a teenager. Like there's a very young child who's running yeah. a large company, but also has the sensibilities of a child. It's it's a very yeah. interesting dichotomy. 
Yeah. All right. An engineering uh, genius with the capacity to anticipate <laughs> the reaction to his comment of like a, a teenager. Yeah. Hmm. This hey, Hitler meme is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. be a lot of laughs. All right. Uh, Roller 20 definitely surrounds himself with yes people. He's talking about Elon. Uh, mm. You can see that in FSD, refusal to add HUD. That is something I wish Tesla mm. would add. Uh, or other driving improvements, change to yoke, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's uh, a good point that I've been hammering for a while. Like the, the the bet on FSD now is starting to be detrimental in other side of Tesla's business because some of the designs of the vehicle are clearly some of the designs aspect of the vehicle are designed around Tesla achieving full self driving, which of course is always happening next year. So now that it's when it's not happening, these designs aspects start to look a bit worse. Lack of HUD in a premium vehicle is one of them. Of course, you don't really need that that much if it's full self-driving. So like Elon was always the point that you don't need that. Uh, the center display in the Model 3 was also behind that. Uh, I, most people got used to it. And the Model 3 and Model Y have been such great vehicle compared to their offering uh, in the EV market until very recently. That's been improving. But uh, that people just accepted that. But most people are used to an instrument cluster. And it's still a point, I think, where people are like, I'm not going to buy a Model 3 because I want an instrument cluster. Mm. So you, you still hear that all the time. So I don't know. Uh, the yoke is also part of that, I think. Like it would make, like, of course, who cares about the steering wheel if you don't need the steering wheel? So, uh, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the dichotomy we talk about. Mm -hmm. Like, well, you're making, the, you know, theoretically the world's best sports cars. Funnest cars to drive, but you're also making cars that aren't aren't going to drive, you know, that are going to drive themselves, and you're just going to read the paper or go to sleep or something at some point mm -hmm. in the future. So you got to like, what, which are you building? All right, uh, KC5 GTS says, "Oh, do you think of this? Tesla China has a PR department because of Musk's speechification issues. What do you think that means?" Uh, while we were talking about that, we just mentioned it, like the the way that Tesla handled the whole. Um... The, the, the way they was portrayed in the media oh, for yeah. a while last year and the year before that too the difference being that, that Tesla and yeah maybe uh, maybe they know that Elon's persona in China wouldn't go as well right that's probably uh, and, and here's the thing like get ahead of it uh, correct me if I'm wrong but China doesn't have Twitter right they don't like they have Weibo, they have Weibo. But, yeah. which Elon doesn't really use or as far as I know Tesla has a popular Weibo account but not Elon himself so Right. They don't. They don't have the same perception that we have of Elon. I think there. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Good point. All right. Let's uh, some comments here. All right. Next comment. Do we know if Tesla will charge more for non-Teslas on the charging? Yes. Yes, I think. And yes, we do, and they yeah. are. Uh, changes per station, of course. You have to look in the when you when you click on on the on it, you can see the charge rate. Uh, here's something we haven't heard of in, heard from in a while. Tesla insurance expansion. Last time I heard, uh, there was it was in Texas, Ohio, Illinois, Illinois. Uh, Ohio. I don't know about maybe Ohio. not Illinois. Uh, I'm not so sure about Ohio, but not New York, which is the uh, I think second or third or fourth maybe biggest car market. Arizona and Ohio, the last two ones, yeah, that makes five states total. But, uh, of course, that's four states where there's an actual insurance product with the real-time driving behavior. Uh, California still doesn't have that. 
So yeah, I mean, it's uh, slowly but surely. Uh, I think the goal is by the end of the year to have it in most states. Uh, end of next year, I think it's Europe and other countries too. So this 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 is the rough timeline, but uh, Tesla is clearly making progress on that front. But apparently, it's super hard to do because it's state by state basis. So uh, the processes are different. Of course, the more you do of them, the easier it gets. I would assume. Sorry, but uh, for for now, it's four or five states if you count California with the non-driving behavior product. Uh, I would like to have some more numbers on that front, like if Tesla can release. But uh, the the way they said it is like it's too new; it's not we're getting numbers, which is uh, probably a fair assessment. But maybe like by the end of the year, if we can have an idea of the take rate in each state, that would be interesting. Because this right. is definitely big business, and Tesla Tesla kind of need that business to happen before FSD, because whenever the or if ever for some people they are ready to switch the responsibility from the driver to the system in FSD. They're going to have to have their own insurance to handle that because I don't think many insurers are going to be willing to. Uh, or if they are willing, it's not going to be advantageous to, to do it uh, price-wise. All right, that's it from the comments. All right, well, I appreciate everyone that leave us the comment, everyone that's been watching uh, this whole episode. Uh, we love you out here at Electric. And uh, if uh, you did appreciate the episode, I would appreciate a thumbs up on whatever app you're watching. This helps the algorithm, algorithm a lot, and uh, it's free to do. So please take a second and do it if you only if you did appreciate the show. And uh, if you do too, on your if you're listening audio only on your podcast app, uh, you can uh, leave us a five-star review that helps tremendously the show. And if you can leave a comment at the same time, we read those and we appreciate them. And uh, we're going to see you same place, same time next week.